Welcome into another somber edition of the post-game podcast and with Husker 24-7, yet again, Nebraska football unable to take advantage of a team coming into Lincoln that uh, had struggled a little bit, at least on one side of the football, and the Huskers drop a game to Minnesota 24-17 to on Saturday, a performance that seemed like uh, it wasn't going to go well from the start, from the very first play. Nebraska's Adrian Martinez threw a backwards pass to Wandale Robinson for a loss of, I think it turned out to be eight-ish nine. yards, maybe nine yards. It was nine. And, yeah. From there, uh, Nebraska just meandered through an ugly first quarter, found itself in the second quarter a little bit, took a, took a lead promptly gave that lead back, lost its player, Cam Taylor Britt, for the second half. And, uh, you know, I think relatively poor targeting call, but no one cares about that opinion. It's it's what the Big Ten officials want to do. Give up the lead. You go down 17-14. Waste the possession right before the end of the half. Give the ball back to Minnesota. Force a punt. Miss a field goal. Like, it just uh, – it never felt like Nebraska could just stay out of its own way other than the the brief fleeting moment where they put together back-to-back touchdown drives on Saturday. All right. Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson here, along with Mike Schaefer, your usual assortment of uh, the Husker 24-7 group. Where do we want to start with this one? Because I think there's a variety of ways we can go. We can start on the offensive side of the ball where Nebraska, again, struggled – in a Big Ten game to put up points, to move the ball effectively, whether on the ground or through the air. We want to go to Adrian Martinez, who looked like he regressed after two strong showings against Iowa-Purdue. We want to go to the run defense, which, you know, played well in in some moments and then had some really bad uh, leak yardage against them and and others. Do Do we want to go big picture? What do we want to do, Brunts? We'll leave it up to you. You're driving this car. Straight up, I might add. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's start on let's start on offense because I think at least from my vantage point that was the biggest issue today um you know the you, you hit on the, the the start that Nebraska had um and you know the, the one thing that you can say about this Nebraska team is generally you have a pretty good idea of what kind of game you're in for based on the first two possessions of the game um you know, I, I think that Nebraska saw a play that apparently they'd run well all week in practice, and then when the lights came on, um, that wasn't the case. And, you know, the thing that was surprising to me, and we kind of hit on this quite a bit in the hype cast, and I think even on Thursday a little bit too, you know, Minnesota was going to be limited anyways. There, there were a, a bad defense that um, – had given up a lot of rushing yards, especially to opposing tailbacks. And I was surprised at how unwilling Nebraska was to try to establish the run with Diedrich Mills or any of their other running backs. Um, you know, you, you got a little peppering of Wandell Robinson in there who, who broke the 47-yarder, which I, I think was a nice schemed-up play. But for the most part, for Nebraska, it was a lot of horizontal football, and I think didn't really test the Minnesota defense that, um, you know, really was kind of begging to be tested. I mean, I, the fact that Minnesota was going to eat the ball on offense, Nebraska, I think, played right into their hands with some of the quick possessions and, and really not being able to 
do anything with any kind of consistency all day. And, and that's not even, we can get into it a little bit more. And I think we should um, go in big picture, but Adrian Martinez, you know, the numbers look great in the first half, but th- there's not a lot down the field um, as opposed to kind of what they tried to do the last two weeks. He missed two really important throws um, that, that were probably touchdowns if, if he puts it where it needs to be. So, you know, I think everybody kind of took turns a little bit on offense. And, you know, that goes from the coaching staff with the game plan to the quarterback to the offensive line, uh, giving up sacks in, in key moments and, and getting whistled for, although a questionable holding call, uh, the holding call nonetheless. So it, it's, you know, you, you were hoping to go into the, the, the end of the season with some good feelings on offense and kind of trending in the right direction. And today was a huge step back. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think Bruns was on the on the track there. I felt like um, they played East and West on offense all game long against a team that, you know, go out of north-south, make them show they can stop you. Um, maybe they stop you for a quarter, but I don't think Minnesota, uh, as thin as they were on defense, if you leaned on them, with, uh, with the run game for four quarters, I think it probably would have turned out okay for Nebraska. I really do. I, I just didn't understand why they were so pass-happy when they're not, they're not good at that right now. I mean, um, they had, I think, 41 passing yards in the second half. I think they had 19 passing yards after the first drive of the second half. Um, and the word that – I wish would leave Husker football, but it's still attached to him in my mind when I watch him play is fragile. Um, the first play of the game, it happens bad. And that doesn't mean the whole day has to go bad, but doesn't it always, doesn't it feel like it, like you almost know when certain things happen, like, okay, we know what we're in for here. And it doesn't have to be that way, but we've seen the same movie replaying itself over and over again, that we know it's going to be that way, even though it doesn't. Uh, need to. So uh, the first play after I saw that, I honest to goodness was like, oh boy, here we go again. I, I really was not surprised that it was in a colossal struggle. And um, obviously the scenario at the end of the first half was big, but we're talking about the offense now. And I felt like a huge sequence where Nebraska could have pulled this thing out of the fire was the first drive of the second half, which they actually had it moving. They had a great drive going. And then on second and five at the 15, they miss a block and they get a yard. And that's where I would have stuck with the run. I would have I stuck with my QB run game there um, and, and, you know, made them stop me two times on third and fourth down. Nebraska tries to throw. It gets deflected. They have to kick the field goal. They miss. And I felt like that miss was huge, as good as Culp has been, because it sort of – it, it just played into that fragile mindset, like, okay, this isn't going to happen for Nebraska today. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, I mean, you, you hit on a, on a couple things there that, that really sort of just stand out to me. One of them that we've kind of talked about and, and was my oddly specific prediction is that I thought Nebraska was going to have some explosive offensive plays today. They have one 47-yard run. I think Adrian had a 22-yard run. Um, beyond that, I don't know if they had another 20, they had a 22 yard pass to Oliver Martin. They just, this team just does not have any explosiveness to it at all. 
it's just alarming at, at how they're already a bad offense. And then, of course, they have to plod and, and scratch and fight their whole way down the field. And as you said, I mean, at, at second and five, when you're in a position of strength and you have one play where you miss a block and then it's third and four and then the ball gets tipped and you kick the field goal. And it's just like they, they work so hard to get nothing out of it. And you just know that there's not necessarily going to be light at the end of the tunnel for them because they have to turn around the next time they get the ball and, and have a drive that, you know, has to go 60 to 80 yards because they're never getting short field. The other thing with this team, like, is, as well as the defense plays at times, other than the Purdue game, they haven't set the offense up much at all this year with short fields. And so because of that, Nebraska always has to go on these drives. They always have to survive – you know, and, and the sequencing has to be just perfect. And they make it so incredibly hard on themselves that it, it makes sense why this team is just not capable of scoring a whole lot of points. They're just not capable of doing it consistently. They're not capable of generating big plays. They, you know, uh, we could spend the entire podcast dissecting whatever the hell it is they saw on film that told them that this was the game plan to use on a day in which it was 30 some degrees in Lincoln with a quarterback that already isn't great going downfield as it is anyways, accurately. Uh, and then you're going to throw, you know, 18 times on first down, you run it 11 times. Cedric Mills has a total of what, 14 carries or 12 carries. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is at times that Nebraska wants to do. And maybe they thought the big play was going to come through the air Maybe they thought that the short yardage passing was going to lead to to more yak yards or, or busts or whatever it is. But I just I, – I struggle understanding week to week what it is Nebraska wants to emphasize in their incredibly limited offense. And it, it really came to a head today because this was a team where on paper Nebraska should be able to run the ball well. And they did. They averaged five and a half yards a carry, which in a normal game – is great. They only ran the ball 36 times because they couldn't sustain drives. They're just – it just baffles me. They had 17 plays between Dedrick Mills' fourth and his fifth carry. His fifth carry went for 16 yards. It was his longest run of the day. I, I, I don't understand the usage of Mills. I don't understand the offensive game plan some of these times that Nebraska finds themselves in these games. And I, under, I, I get that it's difficult to, to call plays when you have no idea what to expect out of your offense, but it just it, – it's hard to see this getting better. They, they just – this is what they are. This is this team. Seven games of this season, there's one outlier on offense, and it was a Purdue game. Everything else, pretty rock-solid similar. They're between 17 and 20 points a game. That's Nebraska. Yeah, it's tough. it's tough because, you know, we, um, I mean, we know that that kind of that magical number is thirty five points that you need to get to if you're Scott Frost. And the 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 tough part, or the thing I keep always thinking about, is you go back to to the twenty seventeen season where they were at UCF, and I know the skill talent that they had on that team is better than what, you know, they've got they've got across the board now, but you go back to some of the games that year. I mean, the, the way that Nebraska or the way that UCF schemed things up against Maryland and, and the way that they were able to get 
big chunk plays and, you know, really put playmakers in space. It's just, it, it's the thing that's remarkable about this season is just how difficult it's looked. And, you know, you're right. I mean, I think we kind of have a pretty good idea at this point of what Nebraska is going to be on offense this year. Um, you know, they are playing young guys on offense in certain spots. And I think that that has not helped them much, but I also don't know that Nebraska has really done a great job of putting the right players in the right position to succeed offensively. And, you know, this is going to, you know, I know we have the, the bonus week or whatever that, that might be ahead for Nebraska, but it's going to be a fascinating off season because I, there's going to need to be a lot of soul searching on the offensive side of the ball in particular about how they do things, uh, the plays that are being called personnel, all that stuff, because, you know, we, we hear that things are looking good in practice it's not translating to the field and there, there's a, there's a disconnect somewhere that needs to be addressed. And it, it's still unclear to me what that disconnect is um, in any kind of way that you can say, okay, this a, B and C is what we have to fix. Like what, what's the issue? Well, and, and you guys were, I mean, each week you're the ones in the, the Zoom call, and so you have a better read on it than I would. I only read the quotes after the fact. But if, if things are going so well in practice, like has, has Frost ever given any indication as to what doesn't translate between practice and, and the game? Because I, I know that it's been asked a variety of different ways, but I don't feel like there's been any clarity as to why they can't take whatever happens – Monday through Friday and at least make it 80% of how they play on Saturday, because if it's their best week of practice and they follow it up with this game, it, it just, it doesn't compute. And so I, I'm curious if he's offered remotely any theories on, on what it is that isn't happening. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in, in the game, you're always seeing something when, when you're practicing, you're going against your own guys, you become familiar with what they're doing. And I'm sure um, you know how to uh, work around what they're showing you sometimes and succeed against it. And so, you know, the Minnesota or whoever is going to throw a different look at you. They're going to throw stuff you haven't maybe thought about during the week, or you're going to have to adjust to something a little bit differently. But some of this stuff that that's lacking today was just basic stuff. I mean, the first play of the game, we can argue about that swing pass and whether we like it or not, but it's a simple little throw that your quarterback, your junior quarterback just has to make, you know, he can't, it, it that should be basically an extended handoff play where Wandale gets like four or five yards and, and said it's a nine yard loss. And that single play disrupted field position for Nebraska for most of the first quarter. And Nebraska's first seven drives of this game, every possession, by their own doing, because of stuff like that, started inside their own 27-yard line, while Minnesota scored 17 points with possessions that began inside Nebraska's 39. So, I mean, Nebraska basically gift-wrapped some points for Minnesota. Meanwhile, because of their own mistakes – left themselves with a 75, 80 yard field most of the day. And they're just not a good enough offense to function fully on, on those big of drives um, consistently, maybe once or twice, but not, not all game. 
What'd you guys yeah, make? What'd you guys make a defense today? It was okay. <laughs> I thought they got their ass kicked up front. I mean, honestly, when when Minnesota did the zone running, Nebraska's big men couldn't keep the linebackers free. So then the run fits are out of sorts. I mean, it it, it felt like when Minnesota ran their quarterback power, they were less successful. I know they hit that touchdown real early in the game, but they were less successful than when they just ran inside or outside, you know, zone running schemes or zone blocking schemes. I mean, uh, you would have these moments where it just felt like Damian Daniels or Casey Rogers or whoever up front was just four yards deep into their own defensive backfield uh, with just allowing – Mo, you know, Mo Ibrahim to just kind of hang out and then pick his lane. And and those running backs are good. I mean, I felt like there was such a stark difference between Minnesota's B line. Like, this wasn't their normal group of starters. And Nebraska's A line in terms of the push and, and the creation of running lanes for those running backs. They, they were using a lot of – a lot of Ben Stilley at nose tackle today, I noticed. There, there was a – a stretch where I didn't see Damian Daniels in the game for quite a while. And I thought when he was in there, he actually held up okay. Um, but I was, I was surprised at some of the looks that Nebraska was giving defensively where it seemed like they were going a little bit um, – they were going a little bit small, it seemed like. Like on the, on the long run on the right side, I mean, you had Caleb Tanner in there trying to set the edge, and that just didn't work. Um and, and so that, that was one that I was a little surprised by. And I think that was, I mean, you look at the, the stats for Nebraska, I mean, they didn't really have any kind of, you know, disruptive plays on, on defense. I mean, they had six tackles for loss, no sacks, um, you know, didn't really didn't have a turnover. So, you know, they, they, they kind of bowed up at times, but it just didn't, I guess I was surprised that, you know, how, easily Minnesota is able to just kind of kill the clock basically. I mean, they really took, did a nice job of completely taking the air out of the football at times in that game. I didn't feel like they had a firm grip ever. Um, and I felt like then their offense and special teams did them no favors. Like it yeah. was, it was just sort of a, okay, you know, they, they had their moments, but it, it was probably, it should have been good enough to win probably because your offense against that particular defense should have been able to put up two more scoring drives and, and get you over the hump. Um, but I have to say, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable when they were on the field. Like, you know, some games a defense is just attacking and you're like, man, they've got this thing. They've got this thing gripped tightly. And it wasn't that way. But like I said earlier, 17 of Minnesota's points, they had a touchdown drive of 35 yards, another drive of 39 yards. They got a field goal that started on Nebraska's 36. So there's 17 of their points that started on that side of the field. Now that uh, the bummer of course was the, you give up a 61 yard run right away um, after you take the lead. And then you're, you should be able to get off the field because Deontay Williams actually reads the play perfectly has a pick. This, I, I think the sun might've played a factor. It was guys are having trouble with the sun in that spot, I think, but um, nonetheless, should have been a pick. And then, of course, we know what happened to Cam Taylor Britt on the next play. And I said at the beginning, I used the word fragile with Husker football. 
case in point was when they were reviewing the Cam Taylor Britt penalty, I remember thinking to myself that this could decide the game. I, I mean, I was honestly thinking that because I knew that if Minnesota got the call, they probably score a touchdown. And I've watched enough of this Nebraska team that I, I knew they were going to press and it, it was going to be tough for them in the second half. Um, and it shouldn't be that way. I mean, really, you should be the type of team where, okay, if they call a targeting call, and even if Minnesota goes ahead at the half, you go into the locker room, you say, look, they're undermanned. We should be able to move the ball on these guys. We're down three points. Let's go get it. Nebraska scored 39 points in the second half this year in seven games. And that's, I mean, that's just amazing to me, the, the lack of point production after the break. Yeah, I, well, I mean, the lack of point production just for the year alone is is pretty startling. I I was telling Brunts before this podcast even started, Nebraska's averaging a touchdown less a game uh, in Big Ten play in 2020 than it did in 2018, and it's four points less than it did in 2019. So it, it's, I mean, it's second half, it's the whole game, it's the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, this offense just hasn't done – enough to, to, to help out a defense that has largely kind of hung in the same area outside of the the Illinois game and the, the Ohio State game are sort of the outliers in terms of how many points were given up. And both of those, you know, featured a scoop and score and, and some other things from Nebraska's offense, which puts that defense in, in those bad spots that, that Brian was mentioning. But I just – I look at this and I, I want to go, you know, we're, we're going to have plenty of time and, and the whole offseason to, to dive in to it but just sitting here tonight looking at this Nebraska if they play another game and it 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 seems like they're going to and it could very well be a Rutgers team that that won against Maryland today as an underdog and and you know we talked about on this podcast is is really really tough I'm just curious with what you saw from Adrian today does that shake confidence that you have that Adrian should be the starter in 2021 Here's a question. Is, is the starter in 2021 for Nebraska on the roster right now? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like you could have, you could have sold people over the last two weeks, Iowa and Purdue that, Hey, you know, that benching really helped and, and they figured a few things out and yada, yada, yada. And I, I still kind of think some of that is true because I think the game plan today did not do any favors for whether it was Luke McCaffrey who comes in and, and, you have your backup quarterback come in cold. And you call two straight pass plays into the win with a guy who's already not that strong of a passer anyway. So you didn't do him any favors there. You didn't consistently try to run the ball. Uh, you, you weren't putting Adrian in, in decent spots to at least stay ahead of the chains in the, in the third quarter. You're, you're throwing it. You're, you're just trying to, to do whatever there. I, I just, I don't know. I, it goes back to this. I don't know what this offense wants to be sometimes. Like, I, I just – I have no idea. They never establish anything in the game outside of the fact that their quarterback is going to be their leading rusher. That's the only thing we know about this team in 2020 on the offensive side of the ball. BC, what do you think coming out of this game quarterback-wise? Uh, I, I think I don't have a clue. That's honestly my answer. I, I mean, I, I think it, the starters – a guy who's on this roster, yes – 
Um, but beyond that, I think you just got to open the thing as wide open as possible. And that includes Logan Smothers. That is everybody on your roster that's here once you get to spring ball and say, here we go. Nobody's got, nobody's even got a foot in front of the other guy heading into this thing. This is even Steven. Let's play it out. Let's grade everything out and uh, see where it falls. But yeah, I mean, the game today was discouraging on sort of the Martinez momentum front. Um, he just, he just missed on some, I mean, he had, he had Oliver Martin on a big play there, maybe at the end of the first half, I, he missed Wandale on that one in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, but there were other guys that were, that were free at times that I don't think he, he spotted. And you, I mean, you, you want Adrian to succeed so bad because he's that type of, I mean, everything that he's been about when he's been in this program, I appreciate and the way he took the demotion and all that stuff. But the, this was a, this was a discouraging day for the offense as a whole. And I think at the quarterback position. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's tough because, uh, this was one of those games where if you you win the game and you know you you have a chance to get to 500 and all of a sudden the offseason is feeling a certain kind of way and now it is definitely not going to be that way. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, we're we're going to have plenty of time. We'll be back with more podcasts of course here throughout the week and and we'll see. We don't even know. At 7.07 on Saturday night. We have no idea if Nebraska is going to be playing a game next week because that's just how the Big Ten operates in 2020. Uh, who knows? Maybe they're going to find a conference to do a Big Ten ACC football challenge. Maybe that's what they'll do. Anything's on the table. Not really, but we'll see. Uh, we will come back with more podcasts this week. Of course, we'll have coverage. We have plenty of post-game coverage on Husker 24-7 right now. It's also signing day this week. I don't know if people realize that. <laughs> but uh, Nebraska on Wednesday is set to sign about 18 kids. And some of them could be uh, helpful for their offensive woes. And some of them could be helpful further down the line. So we're going to have a lot of coverage on that. We'll have some stuff leading up to it. Of course, we'll have plenty of coverage on Wednesday as well. So be sure to check out Husker 24-7. And we will be back with more following this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.